Welcome to Book Rising, a podcast by the Radical Books Collective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Book Rising, which rhymes with Uprising. My name is Bhakti Sringarpure, and I'll be your host today. I'm so honored to welcome Uba Christina Ali Farah into the studio today. Uba, a dear friend, is a writer of Somali and Italian origin. She is the author of three novels, as well as plays, poetry, librettos for opera, as well as academic work, often written in Italian. Uba has been the recipient of prestigious residencies and awards, including the Lingua Madre and Vittorini Prizes. She is currently a UNDP consultant for a project on oral historiography for peace building in Somalia. And in exciting news, she has been hard at work on a new novel, which I can't wait to hear about. Welcome, Uba. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Bhakti. Thank you for having me today. Of course, of course. Uh, so let's start with the, with the question du jour, the, the, the things that are happening at the moment. You, are, you write in Italian, but you are a Somali writer. Uh, you are you write about Somalia. You are mixed Italian and Somali origin, uh, and today we are seeing a great moment for African literature. Twenty twenty one last year uh, has been amazing. There's been so many awards. We've had we've had uh, Abdul Raza Gurna, who won the Nobel Prize, uh, and lots of other writers. In fact, it's a very long list. Um, I just have to say though that I don't think we necessarily get a strong sense of what sort of African literature is being published in Italian. It seems to be more English and in French. Um, I just wonder, is there a scene uh, of Italian, uh, Italian language writers of African heritage? Uh, what's going on? Would you like to introduce us to this? Thank you, Bhakti, for this question. That's a very important question because I, I, I moved to Italy. I went to Italy after the civil war in Somalia at the beginning of the 90s. And um, in, in those years, at the beginning of the 90s, there were, I mean, the first novels written by, uh, I mean, uh, writers from the continent, I mean, but they were mainly, uh, it was Pat Kuma from Senegal, um, that was writing in Italian with uh, with an Italian journalist, so they, they were starting to appear these first works written by 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 African I mean uh, writers, um, and then uh, and it was the, the, the early nineties, but there were not um, a corpus, there were not um, a lot of uh, writing from people that were arriving from the ex colonies of Italy, I mean, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Libya, and, uh, and Somalia. And so it, it, somehow it started in those years. So I, I arrived in this kind of uh, with, with scenario where Italians in, uh, suddenly realized that they were not, um, that Italy was becoming um, a country of immigration instead of immigration. So the, these first works were called uh, migrant literature, but I, 
I and uh, Ijaba Shegon, Ekaha Mohamed, and other writers were also, we, we had also this kind of post-colonial background. So th that started with this generation. And it was very interesting because uh, strangely enough, we were mainly all women writers of my generation. And then now recently, 20 years later, uh, there are very, very young writers. I mean, that's of the more recent regeneration. They have different backgrounds. They come from different countries, in, but they grew up in Italy. And, um, and I think that they, they emerged recently, especially with the, the, the Black, Black Lives Matters movement in in US, they started talking about racism in Italy and so on. But it's it's very interesting. Uh, some of them are very they, they are doing a very interesting work, but at the same time they don't have this kind of uh, the, the, this legacy, this this connection with the with the ex um, the the ex colonies. Even though I mean uh, they are they, they are in Italy because of a post colonial crisis and think of course, but it's. The, the, I mean, the, the memory and the, the, the thing that they write uh, is, is a little bit different, yes. That's mm. so, that's so uh, interesting. So basically we're looking at a generation that has a more vivid reflection on uh, the past of the countries they come from. And then, um, and then what in the United States we would call like writers of color or, yes. uh, you know, kind of um, a new generation of people who identify more perhaps as black. Would you agree? Yes, yes, they, they, they identify themselves, they denounce the, the racism of the Italian society, but at the same time, we also started a conversation because I think that Italy only recently has, is acknowledging what happened in the past and the, the colonial, um, I mean, the colonial history, because until now it was like a taboo because it is really linked in the memory with the, the, the fascist, uh, Era. So people, they just try, they connected to that. And um, so basically, um, basically there, there not, not a lot has been done about what happened in the past. And now we are starting to talk about it. And I think that also the migrations and what, everything, what, what is happening now in Italy, we can comprehend and, uh, and discuss more about it, especially if we, we, we think of what's Italy has done in, in, in Africa, I mean, in the, in the ex-colonies, because otherwise there is no space to, to discuss about it, yeah. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about um, Italy and their colonial memory. But before, I just want to pick up on something you said, which is that this early generation of writers of African heritage uh, were all women. I find that no. kind of interesting. Why is that? So no, the first generation in the 90s when I arrived, Papuma and uh, um, Salah Metnani, also these writers were men, well, mainly they were men, yes. And then with my generation, it was um, uh, people that were connected with the colonial past, they were, we were all women, Gabriella Germa. I mean, I, so it's interesting. So somebody asked me, it's very complicated to, uh, uh, somehow to explain this, what, why happened, why the, the generation of my father didn't, uh, they didn't write, I mean, in, we have Nuruddin Farah, but he, he, he writes in English, and uh, so we don't have people of that generation that have written in Italian, not novelists at least, so it's very interesting, I don't, I don't, 
um, I'm not sure about if if there is explanation of or, or if it is only a coincidence that we are all women. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's super interesting. Let's get back a little bit to thinking about um, being Somali and growing up in Italy. You know. Um, what what was that like? And I know that you're of uh, mixed origin, so perhaps you had access to both cultures. But was there, you know, I I don't know very much if, if there is a kind of uh, Somali neighborhood, Somali restaurants. Um, you know, I I I understand that Italy uh, had a stake uh, in Somalia. I know uh, that the you know works of writers like Rudin Farah explore that relationship. In fact, use Italian words and so on. I just wondered what was, how was it to grow up as a Somali um, in Italy? So back to, basically, I arrived in Italy when I was almost 20 years old. So I grew up, I grew up in Somalia. Yes, I was born in Italy. It's, it's, I have this kind of strange uh, biography because my father was uh, was uh, went to Italy at the beginning of the 70s and of the 60s with a scholarship. And this is how in Verona, in Padova, he was studying in Padova. And th there's where he, he met my mom. They were both students. And then when I was two, something like that, that he did, he went back to the to, to, to Somalia, to Mogadishu. Because you know, that was the, the generation after the independence, 10 years after the independence for them was very important when they 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 they, they had completed their, their education to go back to the country and to contribute to the growth of the country. And so I, I arrived when I was two at the beginning, there was this. A huge project that Somali was written in the 72, I was born in 73, was written in 72. So all schools, they, they started to, uh, they wanted the education to be in Somali. And my father, as many men of people of his generation believed in this project. So I went to, this, to a Somali school for the first years, but then because the project was so huge, there were not many teachers were, that were prepared enough to give uh, a very high level of education and at the same time this, the classes were full of people so uh, after a few years he gave up as well and um, I went to a, I studied in an Italian school so basically my mother tongue is Italian because my mom is Italian and I my formal education has been in Italian even though I was growing the, uh, the language of the everyday life was Somali yes I was I grew up there so when I moved to, to, so first after the war, I moved to, to Hungary and then I, I moved to Italy. And in the first years were, was very interesting because many, many Somalis, because there was this very strong link with Italy, they, 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 it was full of Somalis. I mean, Roma, uh, if you, if you, if you, 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 going to the Stazioni Termini, the station, the central station of Rome, but also in small uh, cities like Verona, where, where my mother is from, there were huge community of Somalis because it was the natural, I mean, place where they were going. Many of them were educated in Italian and they have uh, links with, uh, with Italy. And then they, because Italy didn't recognize any kind of benefit to these people. So they, my father is, himself, they all moved uh, many moved to Holland and they moved to, after a few years, they moved to uh, UK, many to Canada. 
and um, yes, and I stayed. And um, and it was very interesting because in the in the very first years, I mean, the community it became smaller and smaller. But then recently, now I live in Belgium. I have been living here for nine years. But before leaving Italy, it was very interesting because there were arriving these young people with the. Um, Yes, we did the Harib, you know, through the desert and the sea. And so to see this kind of combination of a small, very small community of Somali that were, were still living in Italy, decided to stay in Italy, and all these young people that didn't have any kind of uh, uh, awareness about the colonial past, or they, they had, but they didn't speak any Italian, they didn't... Uh, they were 20, they, they grew up, they all grew up uh, in, during the civil war, so they don't even know what the, the country was before. And um, to see this kind of, um, uh, I mean, contact between this, this link, between the, to this two, two kind of community was very interesting. And there was this joke that I was saying, because Somalia has very, very strong sense of humor. So, <laughs> so they were saying that people that were, were in Italy before, uh, they, they, they used to call them vecchie lire, which was the currency before the euro, lire, so the old lires were the Somali that were before. <laughs> and the young ones, the Titanics, because- Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very black irony. I don't know, it's very- <laughs> That is very cruel. It's very cruel, but they were themselves, they were calling themselves like that. It was not a name that was given to them. It was yeah. like a sort of, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, and, yeah, and the, the other thing is what there used to be a restaurant, but now the community is, um, as I told you, it was dispersed very early. I mean, there is not not, not in a restaurant anymore. The, the first years there were even a, a restaurant that was called Trattoria and Somalis used to meet in Stazioni Termini. There was a huge community, but then, and it's very interesting because if you go to London, for instance, there is these old uh, generation of my father, but also people a little bit younger than them. Uh, so born in the thirties, fifties that, uh, they still meet each other. To, they still meet in London. Read Italian newspaper, Italians newspaper, <laughs> Italian newspapers. They discuss sometimes about Italian politics and uh, yeah. yeah, that's lovely. Um, yeah, London is really you know I always think of London as having a massive uh, Somali uh, community. In this case, are you talking primarily about Rome when you are talking about these stages or? groups of people arriving at different generations? Yes, I, I'm, I'm thinking about Rome because, uh, because I, I spent 18 years of my life in the 15, 18 years of my life in Rome. So perhaps it's, it's also the capital. So is that the town that I know better, but, but we can, there is also a, a big community in Naples, in, in Torino and, um, as I told you, I spent three years at the beginning after the war in Verona, but also in Verona, there was a Somali community. So you see that they, they were, the, the first place where they established themselves was Italy. And then they, they all moved and uh, everybody went, left the country. Yes. Wow. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Um, you know, I met you in Sicily a few years ago in Palermo, uh, where there's a, 
huge populations of migrants from many different places, Asia, Africa, uh, Middle East. Uh, and Palermo has become a unique sort of refuge. Um, before, before we go into talking about your work and your writing, I just, you know, while we're talking about waves of uh, migration and so on, um, can you say a little bit, little bit about why Palermo has uh, become this, uh, this uh, hub, this kind of center of some of this thinking, some of this, uh, some of the work being done around what they call a crisis of migration? Um, what's happening there? So I think that Palermo, uh, it has very, very peculiar energy. The city for me is, uh, I think that if I, sh I, I, I had to, to choose a city in Italy, my, my, my favorite place is, is Palermo really, because I think that perhaps because there are all these cultural networks and uh, people have different, I mean, different backgrounds and it's, uh, a city where people just resist, and they, and obviously it is also for political reasons because we uh, th th there has been this kind of uh, uh, mayor for many years that has trying to do very important things, uh, cultural initiatives and things in the city. So this is obviously also a coincidence, um, I mean a consequence of uh, his politics as well. But uh, yeah, but then I think that. Um, I don't know because I have been working with, as you saw, you know, my, my friend, our friend, our dear friend Alessandra Di Maio, who is a professor at the University of Palermo, that has organized uh, when when we met this um, conference, that this wonderful conference, and it was very really welcomed in Italy, in Palermo. At the same time, I worked in Palermo, not only with Alessandra, but with a um, with, um, theater director that works with young migrants that just arrived and professional actors on the Antigone. Mm -hmm. So right. I think that uh, it's a place where people just, they resist. I mean, it's a very, is a, is a resilient place. And um, yes, it's a place of resilience, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, and since we're mentioning Alessandra Di Maio, who is such a important uh, figure and a leader, really, in thinking about um, uh, what in, you know, academically or in terms of art, you know, I know she organized like a huge exhibit, uh, what, 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 what she terms the Black Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean yes. the Black Mediterranean, um, you know, uh, what, do you, what, what does this term mean to you? it's um what what does it mean for me it's it's um it's it, what does it mean for me so do, do you mean from an academic point of view it's, it's no i just mean as yes. as thinking about migration i think what she's trying to do is she's trying to elongate uh, the history of these migrations uh, as they at these very dangerous journeys as they happen um, across across the the Mediterranean Sea uh, and to kind of create a different geography we have something called the Black Atlantics you know yes. we have this idea because of uh, slavery and the long history of slavery and so on so I just I just wonder um, you know uh, and Palermo seems to be the place where you think about the Black yes. Mediterranean, you know? Exactly. Yes, I think that for Italy is very important to discuss about it because as, as I was saying at the beginning, until Italy doesn't recognize 
that's part of the uh, the population in Italy is black. We are they they they, 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 they won't be space for accept the new people that are arriving the migration. I mean, this is why I think that this colonial um, colonial past is very important to discuss about it and to recognize it because as as far as Italy doesn't um, understand that, um, I mean, for me it, it has been always very. It, it has been always amazing because when I arrived, I was I, I was an adult, fortunately, so I didn't have any kind of uh, complex or anything. But at the same time, this thing that people were asking me, why you speak Italian so well? And that, oh, you don't know your story. I mean, for me, it was like uh, something, I was not even, I was upset in a way, but at the same time, I was, I was, I was surprised that people didn't know anything. And where are you from? Ah, Somalia. Oh, why do you speak Italian so well? And so I think that, <laughs> yeah, it's, yes. I mean, I think that um, it, it looks like something banal, but I think that at the same time, as, as long as they don't recognize this story, there is mm -hmm. no space in to, 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 yes, yes. To, for, 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 for everyone, yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I promise I'm going to come out of this topic uh, around Italy, but, uh, you know, one of the, because I, I can, I read and uh, I, I read in French, I do end up following some of the debates about, uh, you know, uh, French racism and French, uh, <laughs> uh, French uh, fake apologies and all these strange things that they, that they do when it comes to their colonial memory. Um, and I remain very cynical, of course, of it. Um, where is Italy in this, in this stage of recognition of their colonial past? So it's starting now. I mean, many things are happening now and there is a lot of interest. I was quite amazed the other day. I hope that it will, it will, uh, it will last for forever, but now there is all this interest. So people are starting, starting talking about it. Uh, there is all these new generation, especially of young bloggers. So they are very present on, um, um, on, on Facebook, on the social medias. And, uh, and it is very interesting because the other day I was in Rome and there was this event where I presented my last novel with this Jara Khan. She's a, she's a young uh, writer uh, of uh, Ghanaian uh, origins, but she's from Naples, basically. She was, she was born and grew up there. And, um, and it was beautiful because there was this large number of young people and she was all her followers, but they are not necessarily all black. I mean, some people, maybe they have different origins, but they were also mainly Italians. So I think that people are starting changing, changing their mentality and uh, they, they, they are eager also to, to understand what is happening. And, uh, and also what, when there was in Italy, there was this kind of, uh, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know, demonstrate about Black Lives Matter. They they started discussing about it, and the groups groups were quite mixed. So I think that, uh, and also there is a colonial. They 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 are they are working on a colonial archives, just trying to yes to uh, to open a colonial museum in Rome. So that all these things are happening, and uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit optimistic. I want to be optimistic. Yeah, yeah, you should be. Sitting here in the US uh, and just kind of observing, you know, trends and things like that taking place in other countries. I remember there was a show focused on a black protagonist called Zero, Zero. Um, and, you know, you don't see that many 
uh, that type of stuff really as much from Italy. So I wonder, uh, is, is this, are these shifts uh, also being observed in kind of popular culture, you know, TV shows, films and things like that? Yes, absolutely. I was, I was, I was talking uh, about uh, the, this new generation of bloggers. There are a lot of musicians that are starting to emerge. I mean, 20 years ago, 10 years, even 10 years ago, it was, we didn't have so many, I mean, uh, artists that were contributed to the, this discourse. Uh, of course, obviously, that something is more sophisticated and something is less sophisticated. But I think that in terms of popular culture is always important because it makes a mass. I mean, it makes a, a discourse. It builds something and everyone is giving his, uh, his contribution in a way or in another. And uh, yeah, so this is zero. It, it was important. I mean, in Netflix, something... Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll watch it. You know, I think I watched the first episode, but um, I, I, I plan to continue it for sure. Um, let's get to let's let's talk about you. Let me start with uh, a provocative question, uh, which is, uh, you know, you grew up for basically most of your childhood in in Somalia, and then you moved to Italy. Uh, so I'm assuming that you're extremely fluent in Somali and in Italian languages. I know you did your PhD um, also on Somali language things. Uh, why did you choose to publish? Why did you choose to write in Italian for your novels? I think that uh, some, okay, there are, several reasons one one the main reason is because my formal education has been in italian so also when i was you know when i was in somalia i used to uh, i think that many people that write used to do so so i have a this journal and uh, i was like an obsessive every day i was i was writing and I, I think that there was the practice that helped me then to write because writing as you know is a practice you have just to practice it and read and write and write. But it was, too, I, mean, I mean, I was writing about the Somali word in Italian when I was there. Then Somali, I mean, the, the, the Somali poetry is, is um, it, it is the highest um, form of art in Somalia. And, and often, I mean, um, they, they started writing narrative quite recently in the seventies, but in the na narrative form is not the traditional one. So if, there are many poets, many poets, poetry is considered very important also in the society, but basically people that I was raised in the city and um, many people have a, um, a different kind of backgrounds that the writers, I mean, Somali writers. And, um, and also because I think uh, at the end that the language that you choose for the your writing is also a political statement. So basically sometimes now I've been living in Belgium for several years, some, sometimes people ask me, uh, have you ever uh, talked about writing in another language? And I think no, because I mean, it is, I mean, it is very important, the language that you can be translated, but the first act of writing and the language that you choose is, is, is a political statement for me. Yes, I don't know if it makes sense. Yes, not. of course. I didn't, I didn't realize that your whole education was in uh, Italian uh, for, some, for some reason. And of course, I, I, my education was in English. So even though I'm fluent in two Indian languages, it's not 
you know, I won't be able to write in Hindi or Marathi, right? Okay. So, so I completely understand um, uh, what you're what you're saying there, of course, and the political act, but also the kind of emotional yes. uh, intensity that comes out of having immersed in, you know, gone to school in certain language, had friendships in that language, and so on and so forth. Um, but of course, I know that your novel, uh, the translated one that I have read, um, contains many, many Somali words, and it really plays with a kind of tenor of, um, it really changes Italian language, probably. I'm reading it in English, and there's so much Somali in it. And as someone who uh, has tried to study a tiny bit of Somali in the past, uh, it's interesting to see it's interesting to see how you how you do that. So of course, in a way, your work operating uh, on multiple registers. Um, let's talk about your novels. Congratulations. I know you have a new novel out. Uh, and uh, I was just uh, kind of marking the dates of each of your novels. So your first uh, novel, uh, Madre Piccola, uh, uh, translated as Little Mother, uh, came out in 2007 uh, in Italy. Uh, then there was uh, Il Comandante del Fiume, which is sort of like the river chief or something like that, came out seven years later in 2014. And now you have Le Stazione della Luna, Phases of the Moon uh, in 2021. So I just, I just um, I want to just uh, play with you here a little bit and ask you what happens to you every seven years? You know, what, what are these superpowers that emerge? <laughs> yes, it's amazing. I think that it's a coincidence, but since I'm, I'm quite obsessed with numbers, because if you look at my, my novels... Me I too, mean, me too. <laughs> oh, so Madre Piccola has nine chapters, uh, Comandante del Fiume 18, then Le Stazioni della Luna, I choose this number because then I will, I will perhaps explain to you, but I'm, I'm quite obsessed with numbers. I think that somehow, you know, it's... Um, it is related, um, I mean, Listazione, I, I mean, I, it, it, because it, it's an historical novel. So, or perhaps it's a, um, a novel set in, in um, I had to do a lot of historical research, but I think also that somehow it's um, um, for, for women writers, the life that you live is, is, is also, I mean, changes everything because I had Madre Piccola, I wrote Madre Piccola when my, my, my two children, not the, the first one was born in Somalia when I was 17, but then I had two children and, um, and this, this novel took, it was, it was mainly about the diaspora, so it, it was very about the diaspora, all the stories that was, I was hearing and then I was, I was working in a place and so I think that it has to do also with life because we cannot, I mean, writing is not, is not, is not separated from what you leave and the, the research that you, you do and uh, the kind of things that you absorb and you, you want to, to write about. And, yeah. and there are, the three novels are very different from each other. So I, I think that, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, do you want to just, um you know, tell the listeners about the three novels. I know uh, Little Mother, which did get translated into English, um, uh, you know, is about, it's, it's, it's about sort of like, in a way, it's like a communal parenting, the story of these, uh, these women and kind of uh, decentralizing the figure of the mother and the concept of uh, what makes a typical traditional family in a way. 
uh, it's a feminist novel. It's about kinship between women, um, you know, but the other two that have not yet been translated, uh, do you want to tell us a bit more and uh, how the, your topics and themes have changed? Yeah, so I think that each, every writer has his, his obsessions. So somehow they, they say that maternity, since I was a mother as when I was so young, I mean, and um, my maternity uh, coincided with, uh, with the war. So this is, this is a very interesting link between the two, the two things that are apparently completely opposite from uh, the opposite from each other. So the first one is about the diaspora, as you said, and the second one is about uh, is a coming, uh, coming of age novel where the, the, um, the main character is a young Somali uh, guy who grew up in, uh, um, in Italy. And uh, there, is, there, are, there are all these myths, there is this myth of uh, Somali origin, the story of the commander of the river. And it is about trauma, basically how uh, the young generation, what they call the, the post generation uh, inherits the trauma, a trauma that hasn't lived. I mean, basically I was asking myself, what is happening to this child that is growing up in, in Rome? He doesn't know anything about the war, but somehow um, this, this memory, uh, yes, it, it comes to, to the new generation as well. And the third one, the novel, the, the Illustrazioni della Luna, the phases or the stations of the moon, is about, um, is, it is about, uh, there, there are always these very strong women characters and, uh, and uh, it, is, it, is in, um, it is set in the 50s in Mogadishu uh, when Italy, went back to, after losing the colonies, it went back in, uh, in the 50 in, in Mogadishu uh, with the, the trust, Italian trust ship uh, until Somalia, just to help Somalia to get independent. So it was a very strange and complicated period because uh, of course there were people were, that were good, but at the same time, many people that were the, the previous, the former col colonizers, um, arrived in Somalia. So there was this kind of tension uh, between, the, um, between the two communities. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it is about that. And uh, about this, this color, it, I mean, pre-independence movements and, um, and uh, yes, about uh, what is, was happening in those years. What is the meaning of the title? So Le Stazioni della Luna, it is uh, the phases of the moon. It is related with one of the main characters is called Abla. And Abla is the name of the first, well, first novel, one of the first novels of Nureddin, at least uh, from, from a crooked, crooked rib. From yeah. a crooked rib, where she, I mean, there is this kind of topos, uh, literary topos, where, um, where she, the, the young girl that she, lives the countryside to escape um, a forced marriage uh, and, uh, and she comes to the city and her name is Ebla and uh, my, my character as well, my Ebla as well, lives the countryside to go to Mogadishu uh, and she, she's, but she's an astro uh, astronomer. Wow. And so she's an, a traditional astronomer. She's not somebody who went to school. But for me, she's an intellectual because her curiosity and um, only men can be astronomers in the, in the Somali society, patriarchal society. But she learns because her father loves her. 
and this kind of knowledge makes her free at, at, the, at the end, yes. So she comes to Mogadishu in those years. She has two children. She, married, she marries this, this um, truck driver who is a poet, <laughs> yeah. Sounds very different from uh, Nuruddin Farah's Ebla, actually. Um, yes. I can't wait to read this translation. It is being translated, yes? So Il Comandante di Fiume will, will, has been translated and will come out with Indiana as well soon. Mm -hmm. Le Stazioni, uh, yes, Le Stazioni just came out in, in July, so mm -hmm. we are waiting. Yeah. Okay, good. I hope so. Um, so, you know, you have kind of many different personalities. You know, you're an academic. Uh, I know you do a lot of, uh, uh, you, you know, you have a PhD in in uh, you have a PhD <laughs> uh, and you um, you are an archivist. Um, you're uh, I I've seen you perform uh, in in Palermo in an opera, in a contemporary opera. And I know that you're working on this historiography project uh, for the United Nations. So, you know, I was trying to think about what kind of might tie these projects together. Uh, and I think it's a sort of real faith or uh, faith or possibility that you might see in storytelling. Uh, I don't know if you agree. I mean, do you think storytelling is a radical act? Is that what brings all these, all your many personalities together? Yes, absolutely, Bhakti, yes. I think that especially with all with our history, I started, I think that it is, especially Madre Piccola, I was collecting a lot of stories at the, the, at the time. And uh, I think that is also oral, I mean, um, uh, rhythm and and and, and um, how can a taste of the words that uh, I, I was finding and transcribing all this oral uh, history telling uh, was something that was very formative for me at the very beginning when I started writing, and then I discovered the beauty of the archives. Also, in the archives, we have a lot of audio um, audio materials. I, as you said, as you mentioned before, I, I, I decided also to do my PhD because I wanted to write something about uh, that period. And uh, basically, the Stazioni della Luna starts from that research that I have done about the 50s and uh, the theater listening of uh, Somali plays and uh, transcribing them. So somehow this kind of, uh, um, yeah, I think that they, they, they have been the fuel for me. This, this storytelling and uh, uh, yes, the, the stories that I had the privilege to, to find and to, to listen were mm -hmm. my like, uh, yes, my can you, can, can you say a little bit about the oral historiography project uh, for the UNDP, am I right? Um, you know, and I know it's something to do with peacekeeping and Somalia. Uh, it, seems, uh, it seems very overtly political or uh, humanitarian, uh, you know, which uh, which is great. Uh, I just I just wonder how you're bringing like your unique kind of creative influence into it. Yes. So basically, the project the project is I I I, I we hope that it will have um, an, an, uh, it will involve more and more and more people because we are we are talking about. Uh, um, many people of uh, the young, the younger generation that have had been, uh, they have this kind of, uh, um, uh, this kind of, um, how can I, I can say, tra uh, training 
about oral history, how to collect stories, so on. And they are, especially they are from different parts of, uh, of Somalia, so different backgrounds and uh, uh, regions and Kabil uh, and all these things. So we know that in Somalia people, they often they don't speak to each other. And it was very important to do this thing on, not on a political level, but on a, a civil society level. So we use different forms also art to make people tell some stories and uh, and exchange this story to with each other and um, yes i think that that it's very important because at the end uh, all the stories uh, at the, in, at an individual level they it it's 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 easier to to have a connection with the people when when, when you are just telling a story not talking without political agendas. So I, I think that it's very powerful, have a very powerful, um, uh, potentially it, it should, it, it has, it is very, very, very powerful. And it is very interesting because at the beginning of the training, some of the people that were working on the training were not Somalis. And um, to realize how Somali language is so important for the population and how poetry is still used it has been amazing for me because from the first day they, they say the, the, the people, the, the, the trainees, they, they were saying, we want to do everything in our mother tongue, which is very, well, which was very surprising for everyone and, uh, mm -hmm. and powerful, yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I, I also was uh, happily surprised when I'd been to the Hargesa book fair in Somaliland and just the amount of Somali language publishing and the, um, the you know, masses of people who come out to hear uh, the poets and the readings and things like that. So I agree very much. It's a very much of a thriving post-war sort of scene. And you know, uh, I can only imagine that it's only going to grow and uh, be better. It's, it's super interesting to think about. I know you're working on a, on a new novel uh i know that um you know during the pandemic you've been uh, busy at work um i know that some of some of that uh, that that new work uh is uh, drawing a lot from archives somali archives uh i think from the 30s and so on uh do you want to reveal a little bit about this project yeah, it is about it is novel that just came out the 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 one the Stazioni della Luna, the phases of the moon, and uh, but you know okay, it's uh, it has been so amazing. So I I don't I won't let you wait other seven years because <laughs> I, I I I I had too so much material and I think that I explored all this area and I have also. Um, local newspapers and I interviewed people that have the, the vivid memory of, uh, of the 50s or things that they, 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 had, they had been told. And uh, uh, yes, and it was, very, it was very powerful for me because I, um, the research lasted for many years, but then as you know, I was able to write the whole novel in four months during the pandemics in Stellenbosch in South Africa. And I don't think that it was a coincidence that I was in, on the continent. Yeah, it was, it was a pandemic, but at the same time, I was also in, in yeah, South yeah. Africa. A lot of yes. people have found focus uh, being locked in during the pandemic. I didn't realize that it was the latest novel. So that seems to have come out very quickly, but you're saying that there is a, there is a part two. I just imagine you finish a novel and then it takes like, 
couple of years before it uh, it it comes out yeah. but i'm i'm so glad it's out there and we won't wait seven more years uh, i have a f- <laughs> I have a final question for you uh, can you tell us uh, your important influences on your work on your writing on everything you do people you read people you revere people you learn from yeah i think that for me was like a sort of epiphany when i i, I first met nuruddin farah is not is 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 true i mean uh, i was a student at the time it was in the early 90s in, in rome he came there and uh, for me really his 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 books i i have been reading his books uh since then and uh, and also this vision completely different vision about uh, Somalia but i think that you know that in in those in those first years because as as i think that it it happens in all the post colonial situation also i studied italian literature i studied dante i studied boccaccio i studied all the italian writers so on so in those first years at the university uh, really it has been so important to meet Nureddin, to meet Shoinka, to meet Tony Morrison, uh, to meet um, Zoe Winko. I mean, all these writers, because I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity before to read these, these writers and to, to, to conceive and to tell the story in, in this different way. I mean, uh, from a different perspective. And uh, so this, this was the, the beginning, I mean, then I, I I can I can quote other writers, but I think that in those years, also Osman Sembene, uh, the French. I mean, it it has been something very important for me. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a terrible trick of colonialism, right? In a way, yes. when I studied in India, I attended some college in India and uh, never got exposed to this kind of connections. You know, this kind of post-colonial. Uh, lineages and things like that and then uh, had to kind of leave to learn <laughs> to learn about it and uh, it just you know it just it makes you think that like we have to kind of we really do have to believe in sort of decolonizing publishing decolonizing our curriculum and stuff like that it still remains kind of urgent urgent topics right uh, we're not there yet hopefully um, hopefully it's uh, it's changing uh, but I just want to say thank you so much for thank coming you. coming on to Book Rising. Uh, this was such an exciting conversation and you've given us so many recommendations and so many things to think about. Um, and uh, I wish you luck in your future projects. Thank you, Uba. Thank you, Bhakti. <laughs> thank you.